And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Although, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a Christmas episode of Radio Reader's Digest, starring Frank Sinatra from 1946. Then Fibber cuts down his own Christmas tree on part one of Fibber, McGee, and Molly from 1941. But first, let me say hello to my co-host. What's up, Lisa Wolf? Hey, Carl. Hey, it's uh, almost Hanukkah Christmas time. It sure is. And we have all kinds of Christmas programming throughout the month of December here on Hollywood 360. It's I a think. festive month. Yeah, uh, you enjoying it? Oh, yeah. You know what? After this, we'll be celebrating Valentine's Day. And well, New Year's first. New Year's. Then Valentine's. We like to celebrate. <laughs> then Easter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All we, right. We look for any excuse to celebrate. Our first show stars Frank Sinatra. What do you think of that? All blue eyes. Yes, indeed. All right. The Radio Reader's Digest was a drama that came to CBS Radio in 1942. They were radio adaptations from the stories in Reader's Digest magazine. At first, it was sponsored by Campbell Soup and later by Hallmark Greeting Cards. And the hosts included Conrad Nagel, Dick Kalmar, and Les Tremaine. The stars were Irene Dunn, Bob Hope, Gregory Peck, Lionel Barrymore, and many others. It lasted until 1948. Well, on December 19, 1946, they had a story called Room for a Stranger, starring Frank Sinatra with host Richard Kalmar. Here's part one of the Radio Reader's Digest. The makers of Hallmark greeting cards bring you the true and heartwarming story of a lonely young man's Christmas Eve in a small American town, starring Frank Sinatra. <laughs> And now, as usual, here is Richard Calmer, well-known Broadway actor and producer, to preside over tonight's Hallmark program. Mr. Calmer. Thank you, Tom Shelley, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest tonight is a fairly successful and fortunate young man. He's one of the stars of the MGM Technicolor musical, Till the Clouds Roll By. He has his own radio show on CBS every Wednesday night. He has a voice and a degree of personal charm that has made him the idol of a generation of Americans. And he has at his disposal this evening what I consider to be one of the very finest dramatic scripts that we've ever presented on the Hallmark program. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank Sinatra. Thanks, Dick. 
And say, I certainly agree with you about tonight's script. And as Crosby might say, Mr. Robert Sloan's sensitive and persuasive treatment of this Reader's Digest narrative is a veritable classic of dramaturgic felicity. <laughs> well, how would you say it, Frank? Well, I, I think I'd call it a happy story, and I'm glad it's a true one. I think it proves something pretty wonderful about the American people. There's a kind of warmth here, Dick, a spirit of friendly giving without thought of return that you don't quite find anywhere else. I'm kind of glad you invited me to be on the Hallmark program tonight, Dick, and I'm glad the story is the rich human report of an incident one Christmas Eve in Illinois. There was room for a stranger. He was sitting on a suitcase in a crowded railroad station, waiting for the gateman to announce his train. He was a Navy flyer just back from overseas, and he was having trouble finding a comfortable position for his leg, the one who was hurt in the crash. He was going to be operated on in two days at the Great Lakes Naval Hospital, but you'd never have known it to look at him. He was sitting there smiling like the happiest guy in the world, because it was December 24th, 1943, and he was going to spend Christmas with his girl. That's us, isn't it, Porter? Yes, sir. That's us, all right. Uh, here, let me help you up, sir. No, no, I can... I can make it. There. Come on, let's get going. Yes, sir, yes. Oh, here, here now. Don't pick up your bag, sir. That's what you got me for. <laughs> I didn't realize I had it. You sure is in a powerful hurry to get aboard, sir. I hope you ain't going to make me run. I'm not running, am I? I, I just don't want to miss that train. Yes, sir. Gee, it must be uh, awful pretty, sir. Yeah, yeah, she is. I mean, gosh, is it that easy to tell it? I'm thinking about it. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, we we better get going. Yes, sir. Uh, excuse me, sir. Are you Lieutenant Scott, Lieutenant Joel Scott? Yes, that's right. Well, I'm glad I found you. I have a telegram for you. Telegram? Uh, yes, sir. Will you uh, sign here, please? Oh, oh, sure, thanks. Right. Want me to go ahead, sir? No, no, wait a minute. I'd better read this first. It might be official and... You know... Uh-oh. It's from my commanding officer. It, uh, ain't bad, is it? Yeah, kind of. Look, report to Great Lakes Naval Station noon, December 25th. Sorry, must cancel leave. December 25th? Uh, that's, uh, tomorrow, sir. Yeah. He could have wished me a Merry Christmas. Cowcatcher stops at them all, don't it? Yeah, it looks that way. I generally take a sleeper on this run, but um, I couldn't get one this time. War, you know, kind of cuts in on a traveling man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was a gunnery sergeant in the last one, but uh, they wouldn't take me for this one somehow. They said I might just well be right on selling baby nipples. <laughs> oh? <laughs> yeah. You uh, going home for Christmas? No. I didn't think you were. I kind of got a glimpse of that telegram you were reading without meaning to, of course, but uh, you read it so many times I couldn't help seeing that part about the hospital. Oh, that's all right. You don't have to apologize. No secret where I'm going. What's the matter, son? They're going to do something about your leg? I don't know what they're going to do. 
Lots of things, I guess. What difference does it make? Don't you care? Well, sure I care. I'm just a little browned off, that's all. I was figuring on spending Christmas with my girl. Oh. Haven't you seen her yet? No, not since I got back. Well, uh, where she live, I get around the country a lot. Maybe I could look her up and tell her that I... Oh, I couldn't ask you to do that. She, she lives in Bellport. Illinois? Yeah. Well, that's not so far from here. It's only about an hour or so from Rockford Junction. That doesn't do me much good. Where's Rockford Junction? Well, it's just a couple of stations up the line. We get there about midnight. Mm, what if we do? Well, let me see now. If, um, if you don't have to be at Great Lakes till noon, I think you can make it. Make what? Connections. All you have to do is get a train over to Bellport and be back in time to pick up the next local to Great Lakes. And I know there's one about 6 o'clock in the morning because I've been on it. Look, I don't know what you're talking about. Christmas is tomorrow. Yeah, but it's tonight too, son, after midnight. Now, if you can get over to Bellport and back, you might be able to spend a few hours with her. At 1 o'clock in the morning? Why not? I bet she'd be willing to see you any time, especially on Christmas morning. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll look it up on the schedule. Gee, sure would be kind of nice. I could send her a telegram. Yes, sir. Here we are right here. Leave Rockford Junction at 1222. Arrive at Bellport at uh, 1.15 a.m. And you can get the 4.30 back to the main line. I can? Let me see that. Sure, it's right here, son, in black and white. You can have a little over four hours with her. If she meets you at the station. Oh, she'd do that, all right. The only thing is, I, I'll have to send her a telegram at the next Danville station. Corners! Danville Corners! Gosh, I, I don't have much time to make up my mind, do I? I didn't know you had to make it up, son. Well, I don't, but... Say, conductor! Conductor! Yes, sir? Have I got time to stop off here and send a wire? Mm, you better hurry, son. We only stay here a minute. Well, can't you just... Uh, I mean... Oh, all right, all right. Put it down on a piece of paper and I'll give it to the station master myself. Gee, thanks, conductor. Thanks a million. Rockford Junction! Rockford Junction! Here, let me help you with that grip, son. Oh, I'm, I'm all right. I, I don't need any help, thanks. Well, take care of yourself, Lieutenant. Merry Christmas. You bet. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Good. So long, conductor. So long, son. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the one that I used to know. Looking for a cab, sir? Well, you're... No, thanks. Well, I don't drive one. I, I'm a station master. Just wanted to tell you we don't have any taxi cabs here at the junction, but if you need a lift with that bag, I'll be glad well, to... Well, thanks a lot, but you see, I'm not staying here tonight. I'm just waiting for the 1222 to Bellport. Pardon? The 1222 to Bellport. It'll be along any minute, won't it? Why, are you expecting somebody on it, son? Oh, no, I'm going to take it myself. Going up to meet my girl. Ah, oh. haven't seen her for a long time, and, well, we'll be together for a couple of hours anyway. Say, it's a great night, isn't it? Yeah, uh, only I was just wondering, I've never seen you around these parts before. How'd you know there was a 1222 to Bellport? Are you kidding? No, sir. Well, it says so right here on the timetable. Here, look. Well, that's a regular train, all right, but you know it's after midnight, son. Today's Christmas. What What do you mean? Well, look down here in the fine print. You can see what it says. Uh, trains marked with a star will not run Thanksgiving Day or December 25th. Gee, it's cold, huh? 
Where are you taking me? Is, isn't there a phone in the station? No, not a pay phone. Let's go down to Woody's restaurant over here. It's at the end of the platform. Oh. And if you get a chance, you ought to try some of that pumpkin pie Woody's got. It, it misses, bakes it herself, and it's pretty... Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try it right after I make my phone call. Are you sure I can't get a cab or a bus or anything to Bellport tonight? Uh, no, sir, not this late, but I'll tell you what you can do. What's that? Have your girl come down, meet you here. There's a train leaves Bellport 115, and that one is running tonight. Oh, gee, I don't know now. That'd be asking an awful lot. Well, it's up to you, son. Uh, uh, this is Woody's place right here. Well, thank you. It's all right. Uh, I'm coming in with you for some of that pie. Uh, hiya, Woody. All right. Got a young fella here wants to use your phone. Yeah, sure. Right over here on the wall. On on the wall? Yeah. I thought maybe you had one in the booth. In a booth? <laughs> oh, well, I guess it isn't that important. It's just that I'm going to be talking to my girl. And... Ah, shucks, son. We won't listen in, but besides, I'm sure there's nothing you could say it wouldn't make decent hearing for other folks. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> I'll have some of that pie, Woody. Yeah, you bet. Hello? Uh, operator, will you get me Bellport 9613, please? Here you are, Harry. Let's make this news. Shh, don't make so much noise. Uh, just a minute, operator. I'll, I'll have it for you in a second. Uh, here, here, you need some change? Oh, thanks. I'll pay you back soon as I get the... Take your time. Uh, hey, it's good fire, Woody. Hello? Hello, Susan? This is me, honey, Joel. Yeah, I'm over here at Rockford Junction. Did you get my wire? Oh, I'm all right. But listen, baby, this this train to Bellport, it, it isn't running tonight. So I don't think I'll be able to see you. No, not unless you wanted to come over here. Well, there wouldn't be much to do, you know. We'd both be strangers in town and... Well, yes, sure. Yeah, there's a train for, from Bellport, all right. Well, hold on a second. I'll find out when it leaves. Say, would, would you tell me when... the Bellport at 115 gets here at 2.04. Thank you very much. Hello, Susan. Look, it leaves Bellport at 1.15. But do you think it's all right for you to... Sure, sure I want to see you. More than anything in the world. No, it, it isn't that. It, I just can't talk very well here. The phone's on the wall and... You will? Gee, that's swell. All right, baby. Look, you bundle up warm now, and I'll meet you at the train. Yeah. And Sue, I don't care who's listening. I love you more than anything in the whole world. Ten minutes before the 115 from Bellport pulled into Rockford Junction, Lieutenant Joel Scott was standing on the station platform watching for the beam of light that would tell him his sweetheart's train was arriving. It wasn't exactly the warmest night of the year, but when that light shone down on the tracks, it felt as if somebody had just built a fire under Joel's heart. And when the train ground to a stop and a young lady alighted from the car before the last, he really knew it was Christmas. Sue! Over here, baby. I'm over here. Joel! Joan, run, darling. I'll come to you. Oh, Joel. Oh, darling, it's so good to see you. Well, gee, don't cry about it, honey. You'll make me blubber in a moment. I... All right, I, I won't cry. I, I didn't when you left, and I'm not going to now. That's a good girl. It's just that you look so different, darling. 
I wasn't used to seeing you this way. Well, let's not think about things like that now. It's Christmas, baby. And we're spending it together, part of it anyway. Oh, the best part. You bet. Gosh, I never thought we'd make it. When do you have to leave, Joe? 6.30. 6.31, to be exact. But that's four hours from now. And we're going to make those four hours seem like a lifetime. Sure we are. Oh, darling, there's so much to talk about. Where we start, where we go. Well, uh, I don't know. This town's deader than a doornail after 10 o'clock. Do you see any lights on anywhere? Oh, not on this side. Just street lights. That's all there is on the other side, too. Gee, I was hoping there might be a dance or something going on, but it certainly doesn't look like it. Oh, I don't care about dancing. Not tonight. I just want to be with you. Well, we can't just stand out here in the cold. We've got to find a place to sit down. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, what about the station? Locked up for the night. Oh. The whole town's locked up, as far as I can see. I guess we'll have to go back to that broken-down restaurant where I made the call. Oh, all right. Well, it's not much, sweetie, but... It's about the only place we can keep warm. You mind? Oh, of course not. Gee, I'm sorry, darling. I I really should have realized what we were up against before I asked you to come all the way down here. Now, don't be silly. I want to go to the restaurant. I'm hungry. You are? Why, sure. Come on. Okay. It's right down here at the end of the... Uh-oh. What's the matter? Look, the lights are out. Now, that place is closed, too. Mister? Joe, look out. You'll get run over. Wow. That guy was really gone. Oh, yes. Oh, they all seem to be going like that on this road. Darling, don't you think we ought to go back to the station instead of trying to hitch a ride? Nobody will stop for us at this time of night. Yeah, we've got to find a place to eat, honey. You must be nearly starved by oh, now. Oh, no, I just said that. I'm not really hungry. Well, I am. Hungry and... Hungry and tired and fed up with this tank town. I never should have brought you down here. Joe. I'm sorry, honey. I don't mean to be such a rotten sport, but I wanted everything to be so right for us tonight. And it's all gone just the opposite way. It's still Christmas, Joe. Is it? It doesn't feel like Christmas anymore. Oh, now, don't say that, darling. Well, it doesn't. Not in this godforsaken town. I'll bet you Santa Claus stays away from this place, like that train with a star on it. Oh, Joe, there's a car coming. Some Christmas. Can't even find a place to sit down. Darling, darling, there's a car coming. Well, let it come. I'm not in the way. Darling, he's slowing down. Oh, maybe he'll stop for us. Say that. Uh, ride, mister. Give us a ride. Sure thing, son. Where are you headed? Oh, just down the way a little bit. We're looking for a diner so we could get something to eat. Well, hop in. I'll get you to a diner. Swell. Come on, Sue. All right, dear. Here, let me put that suitcase in back, son. Thanks a lot. Say, aren't you the man that I said? Yeah, that's right, son. Harry, the station master. Well, we sure are glad you came along. Say, this is my girl, Harry. Uh, pleased to meet you. How'd you do? I reckon you must think Rockford Junction just about the worst place in the world to come to, ma'am. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, it is, in the middle of the night. <laughs> Especially for a stranger. Say, uh, what are you doing, Harry? Turning around. What for? Isn't there a diner in the direction you were going? No. Oh, well, we didn't mean to take you out of your way. It's all right. I've got plenty of time. 
Now, look, uh, I don't get it. There's a diner right down there, Harry. I can see the light. Oh, that, that place is closed. What's the light, John? Oh, I didn't see any lights. Well, I did. Hey, what's the idea of turning off the main road? Where are you taking us? To a diner. Isn't that where you want to go? Sure, but you'll never find one on a dirt road. How do you know I won't? Don't ask so many questions, son. I'm taking a shortcut. Joel, it's so dark on this road. Now, don't be afraid, ma'am. Nothing's going to happen to you. You can say that again, because you're going to pull up right here and let us out. Now, keep your seats, son. Uh-uh. I ain't going to do anything of the kind. Now, wait a minute. Sit down, I said. I'll let you out when I'm good and ready. <laughs> That's the first portion of the Radio Reader's Digest. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, Carl Amari here. During the month of December, you can digitally download Amos and Andy Volume 1. Twelve comedy episodes of Amos and Andy Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Also on sale during December at 50% off is Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1. Twelve Christmas episodes including Fibber McGee and Molly, The Great Gildersleeve, The Bing Crosby Show, My Favorite Husband, Nero Wolf, Our Miss Brooks, Spence and more. Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Visit ClassicRadioStore.com today and digitally download the Amos and Andy Show Volume 1 and Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1 at half price. In January, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during December. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Frank Sinatra on the Radio Reader's Digest. All right. You can get out right here. Right where? I thought you said you were taking us to a diner. Changed my mind. I brought you up to this place instead. You can get a meal in here. In where? Right in this house. Come on. There isn't much time. Joe, do you think we ought Come on, come on. You won't have to stay if you don't like the place. <laughs> I just thought you might enjoy this better than going to a diner. After all, it's uh, Christmas. Oh, but there aren't any lights on in this house. Sure there are. Just looks that way because the shades are down. <laughs> See, there's plenty of light. Well, I, I guess it's all right. Come on, Sue. Harry, you got him with you? Yeah, sure have, Woody. I wouldn't let him get away for all the money in the world, not this time. Say, what's the big idea? Merry Christmas, Merry Lieutenant. Christmas. You too, ma'am. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thank you. Thank you very much. Joe, I, I don't understand. Neither do I, darling. Say, what is this, a party? Sure is, young fella. Party for you and your girl. What? Huh? Yeah, we didn't have much time to get ready, but Woody and I brought some stuff over from the restaurant, so I know we'll all have plenty to eat. I say, got two pies and a turkey. Oh, gosh, I... Well, that's all right, son. 
You don't have to say nothing. Just have a good time. Sure, have a good time. Goodness knows we almost lost you when that fool husband of mine closed up the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I had to close it, Martha. I was too busy getting things ready. Well, don't matter now anyways. Harry saved the day for us, so let's not argue about yeah, it. I should say not. Come on, let's get some of that. Come on, come on in the living room, son. Make yourself at home. Come on, uh, Sue. <laughs> this is your party, and we know you want to be alone, so we ain't going to bother you none. Darling, look. The whole room's decorated. Gosh. Oh. A Christmas tree and everything. Well, uh, the folks in town kind of thought you might like a place to celebrate, so we fixed up this one for you. Now go ahead and have a Merry Christmas. What time is it, Joe? Oh, don't worry about the time. Don't worry about anything. Harry said he'd let me know when I had to leave for the train. Well... Must be soon now. Do you want to play another record on the Victrola? Dance, Joe? No, let's just sit here and take it easy. I love you, darling. (laughs) Just like that? Just like that. And this. What's that, darling? Who's singing? Early morning carolers, I guess. She wears all the comforts of home. Yes, I know. We didn't miss a thing, did we? No, darling. These people thought of everything. Even the presents under the tree. <laughs> did, did you see this one? To the officer and his bride-to-be. They didn't even know our names. Time to go, Joe. All right, Harry. Just another minute. I, I want to say goodbye. Sure thing. Darling, can't I go down to the station with you? No, no, I... I want you to stay here, Sue. Just let me hold your hand for a minute and... let me say Merry Christmas the way I want it. The best town, the best people, and the best Christmas I ever knew. Thank you, Frank Sinatra, for a wonderful performance. You're cordially invited to be with us again next week at the same time for another fine dramatic program brought to you by the makers of Hallmark Reading Cards, America's favorite reading cards. If you enjoyed tonight's show, won't you please tell your friends about it and ask them also to tune in for next week's Hallmark program. For a Stranger was dramatized by Robert Sloan from the Reader's Digest, America's favorite magazine. The Hallmark program was directed by Mark Sloan with music especially composed by Jack Miller. To be doubly sure of the finest quality, always look in the back of your cards for those three identifying words, a Hallmark card. Remember, a Hallmark card will best express your perfect taste your thoughtfulness. This is Tom Shirley speaking for the makers of Hallmark greeting cards and wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's the Radio Reader's Digest from December 19, 1946, with Room for a Stranger, starring Frank Sinatra with uh, Richard Kalmar as the host. Of course, uh, Dick Kalmar played Boston Blackie on radio, and that was a show sponsored by Hallmark Greeting Cards, as heard on CBS. Well, before we tune in to Fibber, McGee, and Molly, I want to remind all of our listeners 
that I have a new book that's out. I co-wrote it with Martin Grams, and it's called The Top 100 Classic Radio Shows. It's a 224-page coffee table book. It's a big four-pound book, and uh, it's yours by just going to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. It's only $29.99 plus $5.99 shipping and handling, and I will be happy to personalize and autograph it for you absolutely free. And uh, this book has uh, 100 of the top radio shows all chronicled, and there's also three CDs in the back of the book with six classic radio shows, and then you could log on to a special website and digitally download an additional 72 classic radio shows. So quite a lot for only $29.95. And it has hundreds and hundreds, as you know, Lisa, hundreds and hundreds of pictures of all these great radio stars like Frank Sinatra and Lucille Ball and Jack Benny and all your favorites. Right, Lisa? It is chock full of information and photos. You can spend hours and hours just paging through it. It's really a great book. I'm very, very proud of it. It's available at many uh, retailers across the country, including Sam's Club and Costco and Barnes and Noble. It's also available at Amazon. But if you want it personalized and autographed to you absolutely free, just go to Hollywood360radio.com. And that's where you can order it directly from me, and I will autograph it and personalize it for you. All right, time now for Feber, McGee, and Molly. Let's go back to December 16, 1941. For the Christmas tree, this stars Jim and Mary and Jordan, part one of Fibber McGee and Molly. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with songs by Martha Tilton and the King's Men, and music by Billy Mills. The master of 79 Wistful Vista is not one to squander a buck and a quarter for a Christmas tree, when he can drive out of the woods and chop down his own. No, sir. And here, driving up to the house, frost-bitten but triumphant, we find that lumberjack who saves Jack on his lumber, Fibber of Fibber McGee and Molly. <sighs> Gotta get them brakes fixed. <laughs> Boy, am I cold. Well, come on, Christmas tree. Come to Papa. You got a new home. McGee, you're getting snow all over the hall. Why didn't you stamp your feet? Why should I stamp my feet? I ain't mad at anybody. (laughs) Besides, they're so cold, I'm just walking from memory. Oh. (laughs) Here, you poor lad. Let me take your coat and your mitten. Thanks, Molly. Hey. Take a gander at that tree, will you? Ain't she a whopper? Heavenly days, it certainly is. Yeah, it was the pick of the whole woods, Molly. I had to fight off 20 other guys to get it, too. They all wanted it. Oh, did you actually fight for it, dearie? Oh, it didn't come down to actual brawl, no. One guy ups to me and says, that's my tree, shorty. And I says, yeah, I says, tossing my hatchet up in the air and catching it by the handle. Try <laughs> and get it, I says. You don't need this tree for last Christmas, I says. And he says, what do you mean last Christmas? Well, I says, sinister-like, advancing toward him with a nasty look. You lay a blade on that balsam bud, and last Christmas was your last Christmas. (laughs) Ah, good for you, McGee. Did he go away then? No. 
started swinging his axe at me. <laughs> and just then I noticed that this tree, which was a little farther along and was even bigger and better. Oh, yeah. So I just sneered and walked away. Double time. Well, it certainly is a big one. What'll we do with it after Christmas? Hollow it out and make a canoe? Oh, shucks now, Molly, just because... What took it... you so long to get it home? You know, you've been gone six hours. Well, I had a blowout on the way back and had to stop and buy a new second-hand tire. Oh. Cost me seven bucks. Oh. Where's the hatchet? I lost it in the snow, but I know just where it is, and next spring when the snow melts, I'll get... Oh, my gosh. What's that? Oh, it's that window in the dining room. I opened it because it was so hot in here, and it won't stay open. No. Oh. Well, I'll fix it when I get time. By the way, what time is it? It's after four. Why? Where's your wristwatch? Well, I took it off to chop this tree down and forgot all about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> then when I went back to look for it, it had snowed some more and covered it up. Well, that's fine. A $30 wristwatch, a $2 hatchet, and a $7 tie. $39 for a 98-cent Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, happy Yuletide. <laughs> well, I didn't want one of those measly little moth-eating shrubs they're selling downtown. When I want a tree, I want a tree, not a bouquet. Come in. Hello, Mayor Latrivia. Uh, good day, Mrs. McGee. I say, McGee. Yes? About that job you wanted in the city hall. I'm still working on it, but I'll have to have a little information. Well, tell the nice mayor what he wants to know, dearie. Okay. Dig me, Latriv. <laughs> well, first, can you dominate people? Can you let the ones in that you really want to see and shut the rest out? Absolutely. Another thing, McGee, can you stand it physically? To be mauled by crowds of people all asking you questions. Can you ignore the whispers behind your back? Can you give orders in a loud tone of authority? Boy, can I. Listen to this, Triv. All right, folks. As captain of the detective force of Wistful Vista, I order you to make way there. Stand back, everybody. The police... uh, This wouldn't be a police job, McGee. Oh. But one of the elevator operators has just been drafted, and I've suggested you. (laughs) I'll let you know later. Good day. Why, that small-minded, boat-grabbing, baby-kissing... Now, now, now. Never mind that now. Say, uh... Uh, where should we place this tree, McGee? I don't know. Where do you think? Well, offhand, dearie, I'd say it was a toss-up between the Grand Canyon and Death Valley. <laughs> Shucks, I told you I gotta trim it down a little. Get me a hatchet, will you? The hatchet, dear boy, according to your official communique. Yeah. <laughs> is at present sleeping its edge off under a snowdrift 18 miles north of town. Yeah, well, we got a saw, haven't we? Not a very good one. It's all bent. Who bent it? You did. Huh? After you saw that vaudeville act at the Bijou last uh, October, you tried to play Pony Boy on it, remember? (laughs) Well, I guess it'll still work. Say, it's awful hot in here. Yes, it is. I'll open that dining room window again. Okay. The thermostat on the furnace is out of order, and I've got to get a... Boy, am I tired. Ah, but what a tree. Why, this will give us enough kindling wood for all summer. Except that we don't need any kindling wood in the summer. <laughs> hey, McGee, I just thought of something. What's that? This tree is so big, our little ornaments are going to look awful silly on it. Yeah, I never thought of that. I better order a bigger assortment of ornaments. Now, hand me the phone, will you? Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the wistful vista novelty and day. Oh, is that you, Mert? <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? Huh? Who? Your niece. Somebody grabbed her and kissed her during the blackout. Oh, heavenly days, McGee. Does she know who it was? She'll recognize him when she sees him. He'll have lipstick all over his face, neck, and shirt front. (laughs) From just one kiss? What do you mean, one kiss? That blackout lasted three hours. (laughs) 
<laughs> what say, Mert? Okay, I'll call him later. Hey, did you get me the saw, Molly? Here it is, dearie. And now don't get sawdust all over my floor. Why not? It'll make Uncle Dennis feel at home. I'll <laughs> <laughs> see. I guess I better take a couple of feet off of the bottom first. Yes, and trim out a hundred or so branches. Tarzan or somebody might be hiding in there. <laughs> Who? Tarzan. Who? I said Tarzan. Who? Oh, stop it, McGee. That's I didn't say funny. anything. You says Tarzan. Who? Tarzan! Who are you shouting at? Hey, what the... McGee, it's an owl. He's in that tree. Look, up on the fourth branch. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Shake the tree, Molly. Open the door and we'll shoo him out. You! Come on, get out of that, you big buzzard. Go on, scram. Take it harder, McGee. There he goes. Chase him, Molly. Chase him this way. Put out, put out, put out to the table. Edge him toward the door, Molly. Wave your hand, Daddy. I am waving my hand. Shoo, scat, go away, birdie. He won't even look at me, McGee. Well, owls don't see good in the daytime. Well, what do you expect me to do? Buy him some glasses? Hey, who? There he goes. Go on. Beat it. Scram. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Well, thank goodness. Those things give me the creeps. (laughs) Me too. Though I will say it was decent of him to back up my judgment. (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, owls are wise birds, and we both picked out the same tree. (laughs) Don't you get it, Molly? I says owls are... Ain't funny, McGee. Okay, okay. (laughs) But I've been hooted at enough for one day. Hand me the saw again. Thanks. Hello there, daughter. How's about... Hey, what you got there, Johnny? Christmas tree? Oh, no. <laughs> we buy our firewood on the hook, Mr. Oldtimer. What's on your mind besides that Daniel Boone cap, Oldtimer? Just wanted to know if you could come out and play. Some of us kids are building a snow fort in that vacant lot up on the corner. Having a peck of fun. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. We've got work to do, Mr. Oldtimer. I'm afraid you'll have to romp in the snow without us. Oh, gee, kids, come on. <laughs> We wanted to choose up sides and play Yanks and Japs. Only nobody wants to be a Jap. Well, we haven't got time to play now, old-timer. I've got to trim this tree before... Then you've got a corncob pipe we can have, Johnny. I built a big snowman. I want to put a pipe in his mouth. Oh, give him a cigarette. <laughs> hey, what was that? Oh, it's just the dining room window, Mr. Oldtimer. It won't stay open. Hey? Who? Oh. Well, we I hear it. One feller says, tell a feller, say, he says. Why does Hitler make all his speeches from a beer garden? Well, says, tell a feller, that's so when he starts foaming at the mouth, nobody will notice it. They cut down the old pine tree And they hauled it away to the mill To make a nice Christmas tree Just for Molly and me uh, Goodness sakes, do you have to sing with your sawing? No, I don't have to, but it helps Hey, how does it look now, Molly? Beginning to shape up pretty good, eh? Yes, if you like that shape (laughs) It's pretty lopsided It is? Where? Oh, Oh, yeah Sure Well, I can trim that side off a little more that's a good thing I got a big tree to start with, you know it? Well, yeah. listen now, try and be a little quieter. Uncle Dennis is upstairs taking a nap. That guy's always taking a nap. And I just found out why he wanted that old brass bed brought down from the attic, too. Why? Well, I peeked in on him the other morning, and there he was, sound asleep, 
with one foot on the brass foot rail and a happy smile on his pretty little face. <laughs> now, now, let's not start on poor Uncle Dennis uh, again. He's a gentleman and a scholar. He ought to be a scholar. He's had more teachers than anybody I ever knew. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, I cut down the old pine tree and I hauled it away in my car. McGee, uh, there's somebody at the door. Who? I don't know. Let me peek. Oh, it's Mrs. Uppington. Oh, not the Mrs. Uppington. The choicest crumb in our upper crust. Yes. And wearing a hat that was made in a hurry by a cross-eyed milliner wearing boxing gloves. <laughs> Come in, Abigail, darling. Uh, how do you do, my dear? And Mr. McGee. Hi, Uppy. <laughs> Please excuse the mess in here, Abigail. McGee is trimming the Christmas tree. Oh, how fascinating. I simply adore the scent of freshly cut lumber, really. It's so invigorating and so, so outdoorsy, you might say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I might say that if I carried my handkerchief in my sleeve. <laughs> know you were such a lover of the great open spaces, Abigail? Oh, my dear. I used to simply spend all my time at my hunting lodge in Maine. <laughs> Roughing it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ever hunt any, Moose? McGee. <laughs> Watch your commas, dearie. <laughs> well, did you, Uppy? Oh, no, no. I was never much of a nimrod, Mr. McGee. Oh. <laughs> we called it a hunting lodge because we were always hunting a paw for bridge. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you really ran wild up there, oh. Uppy. <laughs> Don't pay any attention to him, Abigail. You know, he thinks he's a great woodsman because he shot a bear in Alaska last summer. Well, that was something. If you ever walked through a dark forest with, with the feeling that something, something was creeping up on you, ready to pounce any minute, and suddenly... Wow! Help! He got me! Shoot him! Take it easy, McGee. Huh? Take it easy. No. It's just the window in the dining room. <laughs> it won't stay open, Abigail. But say, where did you get that hat? I haven't been able to take my eyes off it. Oh, do you like it, my dear? She didn't say that. <laughs> she just says she couldn't take her eyes off it. <laughs> I tell you, it's just darling, Abigail. Oh, I'm so glad. That's exactly why I dropped over today, my dear, to see if you liked it. <laughs> uh, do you, Mr. McGee? Well, confidentially, Eppie, since I'm a plain-spoken man... <laughs> I think it's the worst monstrosity ever placed on a human head. Oh. It would make a Zulu medicine man swallow his spear. <laughs> oh, splendid. I'm a success. What? I just said to myself, if Mr. McGee likes it, I will simply have to give it to my cook. That man has less taste than a nightclub salad. Thank you, Mr. That's the first portion of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to this Christmas adventure on Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Then it's a tale of high adventure on Escape, a good Christmas show starring Joseph Kearns. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you all next time right here on Hollywood 360.